It's my pleasure to invite the director of the film, Eva Marlowe, to the stage, and Donny Fahey, if you can join us too, and Perry Weiss will be hosting the Q&A. Exhausted after that. Do you feel like you've done the full 1,000 kilometres over 10 days? Um, at one stage, Donny, you say it's been a very long week, which I think must be the understatement, uh, the biggest understatement in cinema history. Looking back at the film, does it kind of tally with your memory of the actual event itself? Oh, look at it. It's, um, it's it, like we've seen it this time last year at the Galway Film Flat, and it, it, it's been a been so long coming for us that every time we talk about it we, th we think back of different stories but to see actually fit footage of it it brings back so much emotion and memories heartache elation every emotion that you can think of we went through in that seven and a half days and I suppose from that point of view that's why it was the longest say week of, of, of my life as such because we went through everything we went from so from excitement to you've seen Richie getting a bit angry there a few times and I was trying to keep up with it a few times and kind of living living on the wing of a prayer and stuff like that but it's I think Ivo has done a fantastic job in capturing the imagination of it's not actually the imagination it's the reality of what goes on out there every day every year in the race um, like for us that have since we've done it we've met a lot of people since we never met anyone that had done it before it but we've met a lot of people who have done it since, and a lot of people have had the same um, experiences we have, and that's something very special to be able to talk to someone about who's gone through it and knows exactly what's involved and, and how it was and all the shit days and all the great days and all them really nice ponies. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk in a moment about your own personal story, because I, I think in many ways, and I'm not just saying that because I'm maybe viewing the film through an Irish prism, but your story is is kind of the hinge or the anchor of the uh, of the story in many ways of the film. But I will for you, I mean, you're mostly from a cinematography and a writing background, so how was it for you to make something in such challenging conditions in, in, in every way? Um, well, it, it was tricky to, to make it, but um, I came from it as a, as a horse rider as well. So I actually, I, I didn't think of filming it. I, I was just gonna ride it like everyone else because um, I grew up with horses. And then, um, and then the whole um, process of getting accepted and you know, you're having to prove that you're good enough and all that stuff, um, that takes a while. And then once you're accepted, I just thought, it, this is so special, I, I have to do something else than just um, ride it. Also, actually, I, I thought maybe I can somehow fund the whole race by making a film about it. Um, There's quite selfish reasons there. Yeah, exactly. And then. Um, yeah, so, so that's kind of how I started. So background as a screenwriter, I, I didn't thought I, I need to do something else with it. And that's how the, how the idea came together. But the, the real idea was happened maybe in like February or something. Um, yeah, when, when, when I was accepted. And then, uh, and then in, in spring and May, I went to the Cannes Film Festival, which is like a big film market. And I pitched the idea to a lot of uh, companies and I got the first funding 
to then bring a crew out. And so that's kind of how it grew. And then in, in August, we were shooting. But it was just the three of us. It was like two, one cameraman, one, one um, sound man, and then me as camera and sound. And so we were kind of separately working our way through the whole race. And before you went out, did you have an appreciation for the particular challenges? I mean, everything from the terrain underfoot to the heat stroke to the, the dogs to no. the unruly horses. So was it good? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a, well, yeah a little bit, yeah. yeah. So people told us about the, the dogs mainly. <laughs> I remember like learning in Mongolia how to say, you know, call back the dogs, um, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but I, I didn't know what, you know, I didn't know how it was going to be. And I knew I had to do it from horseback because um, you can't really follow the riders if you're not with them. You can't do it on a 4x4 four four because the horses are so um, skittish that they'll just, <clears throat> they'll buck if you get too close to them with the horse. So I knew I had to ride it with camera and so I kind of tried and tried out how to do that a few times and, and I actually sneakily I went to Mongolia about a week earlier than everyone else and I stayed out in the step with the family to kind of check the gear and stuff. And that's when I, that's when I thought, okay, I'm going to be fine because the horses, they, I kind of knew them. They, they were like the horse back home. So they were like the same size, same craziness. And so I felt quite, quite at home, actually. I've been out to that part of the world <clears throat> myself quite recently. <clears throat> and it's, uh, I know when, when I first got onto the steppe, there's a, there's a vastness to yeah. it and, and a breath that you haven't <clears throat> really experienced before. Can you sort of share your first experience of being there and what it was like? It, it, was, it was the same for me. And then when I saw that, that space and everything, I thought how the hell am I going to follow all these people? Because I kind of thought, you know, we'll, we'll be together for a day or two, and then it'll just be carnage, and people will just be disappearing everywhere. And so I was really worried about that. I thought, um, we're probably not going to be able to, to follow the stories. And so in the, in the start camp, we were, like you saw that on screen, so we interviewed everyone. You said you were going to win. <laughs> and... Um, um, and then kind of from there, I thought we'll have to pick like the people that we thought were going to be most promising on screen as well, because you kind of have to make those decisions. And, and then I had to also make a decision to not kind of actively compete. So I, I was going to ride and compete in the sense that I had to um, stay in with, with the riders because otherwise I wouldn't be able to choose, I wouldn't be allowed to choose horses and pick them. Um, so I had to compete, but I had to also stay with the most interesting characters. Um, yeah, so so kind of that's how. But yeah, the the um, impression. Sorry, I'm rambling. The impression was the same. Like I saw the landscape, and I was like, amazing and uh, a challenge for sure. Yeah. And in terms of sticking with, uh, as you say, the characters that mm. we thought were going to be prominent in the story. Obviously, mm. you spoke to this man, and very quickly yeah. said, "This is a real story here." Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I kind of knew, uh, like Richie and Donnie, I thought they'll have a really good chance. So I, I said to Michael, the cameraman, like, we've got to stick with him mm. for sure. And so they kind of stuck Glad with you knew, because we didn't have a clue. No, I, I knew. <laughs> also, you said it anyway. I was hoping. Um, yeah. Yeah, I spoke to you last week, and you said you were, you were kind of messing when you were determined to start saying, oh, yeah, yeah we'll win. Yeah. You really didn't have I that much of a clue what we were going that to yourself into. That comment was completely tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Um, but yeah. on a serious note, we were going to, like, on the whole flight, the whole way out, having never spoken to anyone that had done it, we yeah. didn't know what to expect, didn't know how it was going to fall, like, fall out. I didn't, we didn't have a clue, so... But we were trying, we were racking our brains the whole time. How... How and how the hell are we going to win this? 
They're like, mm. we have to have an angle. There has to be some sort of an angle that we can't win this. And the only angle that we, off the, the flight from London to Moscow, the only way we could figure out how we were going to win this was by having the least amount of penalties. Yeah. And the one thing that both myself and Richie are extremely proud of is we didn't have any vet penalty. Um, we had two half an hour time penalties, but that was definitely the winning of the race for the two of us. And when I say the winning of the race for the two of us, because although we were a team first and second, we still won it. The two of us won it. But that was definitely the winning of the race for, for the pair of us because so many riders unfortunately succumbed to different penalties and ponies went, got, kind of went down on them and bits and pieces and whatever happened, happened. But yeah, there was, that was definitely, and we'll stand by that, was definitely the winning of the race for us was that we didn't <laughs> accumulate as much penalties as other people did. Being experienced jockeys, you obviously came in with a heightened knowledge of animal welfare and how to manage these horses, would you say so? Oh, yeah, but not to this extent. We wouldn't be on them for, on their backs for less than five minutes yeah. and maybe 20 minutes in the morning. So to be riding from seven in the morning to nine at night, that was completely lunacy. Like and a lot of people said that to us, sure, you're, you're, prof you're so-called professionals. And we were like, yeah, but geez, we wouldn't be on them for this amount of time. Like a lot of people trained and they, they went off and did these different treks and whatever. And, um, no, we, we definitely were not as prepared as some were, but maybe, maybe our stubbornness. You were also very determined to raise some money for the Injured Jockeys Fund, both yourself and Richie, an organisation that assisted you guys very, uh, very significantly. Definitely, and I know there's a couple of lads here tonight now will will definitely appreciate for that as well, that both here and in the UK we're very lucky to have the Injured Jockeys Fund that look after us when we get hurt, and it's without the help of them, when things do go wrong, you would be a little bit under in, in, in hot water in the, in the respect that you mightn't get t the help that you need or you mightn't get to st put in front of the doctors that are best for you and so on and then just the care that you get given as a, as a, as a professional jockey is, is fantastic. So we were, obviously I got a bit of a slap and Richie had a slap a few years ago when he had a bit of, a bit of jaw trouble and so a we were... A slap as a euphemism being thrown off a thoroughbred horse at high speed by the way. But we, they were very close to, to, they were very important to us. So the minute there was a question of you have to raise money for charity, there was not even, not even a question who we were going to do for. Yeah, yeah fantastic. It's, um, you know, watching it, I was thinking that this has, there has to be a dramatised version of this. I think the, uh, <laughs> the Donny Fahey story, biopic, what do you reckon? Oh, I hope yeah, for I a new so, project. Yeah. The, no. the young Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, for yourself, I mean, like, where do you go from here? This is, uh, it must be, it's, it's almost like an endurance race of filmmaking, mm. this entire thing. I mean, are you going to look for something a little bit easier next time? Or Well, it's not like I've worked on this solidly for, for the last five years. I, you know, I worked on it when I had to go, I went three times to Mongolia to film it. And then um, in between I was working on other things as well. So I've got um, um, my co-producer, she, she did a lot of, drama for like cold midwife and you know stuff like period stuff and so we have, we've been working on a big um, period drama um, set in London and then um, another feature doc um, yeah so, so there's other things that, that we've been doing in the meantime um, have you been surprised by the reception that the film has got because it's, it's been getting rave reviews it's won awards yes it's 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 been for me it's been a total roller coaster in the sense that um, so you start with the festivals 
Um, so we started in Galway and won the festival. That was uh, I, I, I'd left already. So we, we screened Saturday night, and Sunday morning I left back for London, and then I got a call <laughs> Sunday night, like we won the festival. I had no idea that was going to happen. Um, so that was a real surprise. And then from then on, it kind of went like sometimes, um, sometimes we didn't even get into a festival where I thought, you know, like, that's a sure thing. Like, there's, there's one big adventure film festival in Canada called uh, the Banff uh, International Film Fest. And they, they've been bugging me for two years to, to see the film. And then when I sent it to them, and then, you know, they considered it, and then they rejected it. And I was like, really? Um, and then other film festivals, we won straight. So we won, like, nine festivals. And uh, so that, that was a real um, up and down kind of all over the States and Canada and some of Europe. Um, and so now now the, the selling of the film, we're still in the middle of that now. So we've, we've uh, sold it to Ireland to um, TV. Um, and I think it's going to be maybe November, October, November or something. And then uh, UK, we're still working on... Uh, it's just started in the cinema today as well. Um, but we haven't got a broadcast deal or anything, and then yeah, same in other America. We've got broadcast, but no, um, no cinema. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one because we obviously need to make that money back, and so it's kind of coming in bits and drips and drabs everywhere. But, well, but before we open it up to yeah. the audience for questions, I just want to ask Tony about you know being Irish. We have a very strong equine culture here in this in this land. But you went to you know a very unusual part of the world where you saw another very strong horsemanship culture. Can you talk about what you observed there, what you noticed about it? Well, I think it was very clear to see from the very start, even in in I was movie that <clears throat> these kids are riding from an extremely young age, but they're fantastic riders. Like mm. some of these. I've, there's a great memory that sticks in my head and it's this grey one even this grey pony being broken and when I say broken I mean he wasn't even fractured but they they four lads got the pony and somehow pinned his head to the ground he'd never been ridden before but it wasn't as as um, maybe as beautiful to watch as Monday's version of it but head in the ground, next thing they stuck a saddle on him, then this hero from somewhere, I don't know where he came out of, but he just kind of muscled his way in between them and threw his leg across him and on the count of three, everyone stood back and this pony came up and he just went absolutely tonto. And he went off into the distance, just bucking and plunging and doing everything to get the rider off. And about 20 minutes later, a man trots back in, and takes the saddle off the pony, hooks it onto the line, and I looked at Richie and I said, like, fuck if I'm picking him tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to pick the nicest chestnut or the nicest bay, but I'm not, I'm not picking a grey. No way, because I can't be sure that it's not going to be him. Um, but, yeah, no, they were fantastic riders. They were, and, but they worshipped their animals and worshipped yeah. their horses. And anything, I don't know if anyone noticed, like a few of them had ribbons on their tails or ribbons on their manes, and that was a sign, not that they kick, but that was a sign that they're something special to the fam that fa individual family, whether it be the fastest one or maybe the, the one that all the kids learn to ride on. or It was some sort of a, an attachment towards that family. So they really do worship them and they, 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 like, they love them as much as we do. They might have a different riding style and they call them horses, but we call them ponies. But in their eyes, they have such an attachment towards these ponies and it, they're fantastic riders too. And we made comments like some of them were riding like the kids were riding bareback and we were saying jeez if we only brought them over a few little pound saddles or something little mm. racing saddles they'd only love them yeah. so if we were to go back again we would probably have done that but yeah no they've they've 
I think um, motorbikes and, and and engines have taken over with them now, but they've they all they know is horses out on the step. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's and still it's a livelihood. Yeah. yeah, so they, they worship them, but they don't treat them like pets. Mm. Not like working animals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so that, that's why I notice whenever you go approach a horse like you were here and kind of like all gentle and careful, they freak out. They, don't, they, mm. they know there's something up. And they don't, don't, they won't trust you. So you kind of have to go up to them like, like it's a bicycle, you know, and just like pat it. And yeah. Okay, we're going to take some questions from the audience. So I might just ask you to make sure there is a question mark at the end of your question. So, any hands? Come on, gentlemen, there. I think we have a microphone for you, sir. <coughs> So I was just wondering what was the criteria to be selected for the, the race itself? Like? Well, I think me and Richie have a bit of a unique story in that we only applied in December and I think the cutoff point was, was, was September, I think it was. Mm. But luckily we had maybe, we had the right phone numbers to ring and eventually we got put up, we, First of all, we got put in touch with with, um, with Richard Dunwoody, who, for myself and Richie, was a feat in itself. That, as kids, he was probably both of our heroes, as being one of the best jockeys ever. And when we approached him about taking part, he said, "Just go for it, do it." And we said, "Well, sure, it's closed." He said, "Hang tough." He says, "I'll give you a number. Give me ten minutes, and I'll ring ahead." And there we go. So we rang Katie and. Told, said who we were and that we'd like to do it and she said well okay she said it's closed but we'll take your word and Richard's word that you're capable but I think for the majority of of riders that that apply it is that you definitely have to have enough experience and you have to prove that experience and you have to have references and you have to um you know you have to be competent enough to be able to go out there and take part um, a few people asked me would, would I recommend people to do it, and I'd say for the right rider, I wouldn't even hesitate at all to go out and do it. Mm. So th there are definitely people who who think they can do it, and then um, as we've seen of, here, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I've seen that there were a few that um, yeah, I, I saw one who gave up on the start line. Wow. He couldn't face it, um, and that that was probably a good thing for him. Um, yeah, but but in, in theory, the process is quite strict, so you have to kind of click through all these questions on, on, on their questionnaire, and you have to sign them all. And I think one of the last ones is, I'm prepared to die, is that okay? And <laughs> click that, and off you go. Um, yeah, and then they do vet you quite a bit. Anybody else who's next at the back there? Yes, I'll get a microphone to you. Uh, could you just explain uh, for the South African rider, was there a significance that they kept giving him more difficult horses? Is that a cultural thing? Yeah, um, that's that's a good point. So, um, so what happens is that they all heard is they kind of either they might know each other or they kind of know off each other and they kind of might be related in some way. So, like news travels quite quickly, even you know, even without them seeing each other and um, so they were all fairly amazed about this black guy for a start and you know they asked me stuff like you know 
how I didn't know that black people could ride horses, and um, so that kind of travel, and then and then they found out that he was actually really good, and then and um, and the horse, the the culture in Mongolia is such that um, that as uh, they kind of judge you by the way you treat their horse and the way you get get with the horses, and and if you're good, then that'll um, that'll make them appreciate you more and respect you, and so for them to then kind of they kept testing him more and more, and it was like a, a sign of respect, basically, and also a little bit of a joke. So you know, sometimes they they knew we were riding together. So sometimes they'd give us, you know, one really fast horse and, and a donkey, and uh, and that was like a joke for them, and and we didn't know which one was which until we were on the road. Uh, yeah, so that's that's why really, and uh, and actually, sorry, just lastly about that last horse that he took, that was him just kind of wanting to prove that um, he could get on that horse. And he didn't ride, just, I just want to make that point, he didn't ride that horse in, in the next leg. He just, he just got on, um, showed them that he could do it, and then they, in return, gave him a really good um, race horse. It's incredible watching him do that. Just yeah, just no, the it, was, yeah. it was really, I mean, too young, really, the horse. The, yeah, yeah. It was just like two years old or something. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, he was too tall for, the, for that horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who is next? Yes, in the center there. I thought it was a fantastic movie. Um, congratulations, well done. Thank you. And it was definitely a five out of five. Thank um, you. Uh, I'd like to know, would you do it again? Would you ride that race again? Me? Uh, oh, Donny. No, I probably wouldn't, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I probably would be a little bit like um, Devon that if I hadn't have succeeded, the desire to go back and try and win it definitely probably would have been there. Um, but if I only went back, I'd yeah. screw it up and I wouldn't have the time like I had the first time. So I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't jeopardise that. I was so delighted to do one. <laughs> I was just delighted to be finished. <laughs> do you have anybody else like to ask a question? Jumping then here. Could you elaborate on your strategy to make sure that the horse was okay at the end? Because obviously you have to pace yourself, but you can't stress the horse too much because you know you're going to get a penalty at the end. Do you almost get a sense that the horse is struggling and they need to back off? Or how did you, how did you judge that? Because you didn't get any penalties, so I'm just trying to... And so how did you judge that? Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that we had to learn quick in the sense that we'd never ridden in an endurance race before um, and we didn't really, we knew the rules but we didn't know how to put them into practice. So very early on we we decided amongst ourselves that, well, first of all these ponies were, like, although each stage was in or around 40 kilometres, some were shorter, some were more, but for the first 20, providing the pony was were willing and, and, and forward going and good, we figured out that they could do the first 20 relatively easy. And it was the second 20 that you had to start nursing them home. So we were advised at the start that any time you, you pass a river, a pond, even a puddle, offer the pony a drink and then offer them a pig of grass for 30 seconds afterwards. And that, for, for the want of a better example, was basically like taking a, maybe a, a shot of Red Bull or something. Just give them a bit, little bit of a, a bit of a lift and away they'd go again. And you would get another 
however long out of them and then they start to maybe fade again but you started to some of them that you might be able to go cantering on for the first half half of the stage you might then be walking for a bit and trotting for a bit so whatever kind of they wanted to do we allowed them to do um, we never we never tried to push them harder than they were able to but then very uh, it was it was somewhere along the first day that we figured out that if we got off a kilometre away from the station and walked them in, there was a better chance that we would, the heart rate would be down and everything would be fine and they'd be recovered. And that would, that would minimise our weight in the station. So I don't know if anyone copped, there was a, there was a, a piece there of, it was after, um, it was around the time when, the, when it was being told about Charlotte's incident. But I was actually walking in on foot, and there was a couple. There were the guys were all around me, just walking away. We were spread out, but I had my sleeping bag in one hand, and I had a girth strap in the other hand. So that was an incident where we did that, and we'd always we'd jump off. It was fat, it was it was it was gas to see, but we'd jump off a kilometre out. We'd loosen the girth, and the pony stretch out for a pee. I'd turn away for a pee. We'd walk, I'd light up a cigarette, we'd walk on in. And by the time we got into where we were, the station we were going to, nine times out of ten the hearts were ready to be down and the ponies would be good to go. Because we didn't want to jeopardise the half an hour and be getting in and not get past within the half an hour. So if we took back and enabled ourselves the chance to pass and we would get in. But that particular instance was, I got too kind to this little guy and I loosened the, two, loosened the girl two holes. And so he stretched out for a pee, I stretched out for a pee, I sparked up smoke, and two of us walk in. And all of a sudden then he just gave this shiver, like often horses do, they just give an old wiggle. Well at that, the, girt, the saddle slipped under his belly. And the amazing thing about these ponies was, no matter how tired they were, if they got a fright, they got this inner strength that no one could could curtail it was just unreal so this pony got a fright the belly the girth slipped under his belly and he absolutely went tonto crazy i tried to hold on to him but he went off mad he kicked shit out of the saddle so i'm walking in picking up bits of my saddle here there and everywhere so i walked in thinking this was on day three i think it was walking in thinking that's the race over and lo and behold erin erin um um, Aaron Byrne yeah. took my saddle and disappeared so no one knew where the saddle was gone and I presume my race was over and the options I was given was while he was gone with my saddle was I can wait till the end of the day and they'll, the, 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 the crew, crew will bring forward another saddle that they had spare or I can ride on on a Mongolian saddle so I'm thinking shit they're bits of, two bits of timber I said I don't want to be riding on them but before I got a chance to make my decision Aaron Byrne arrived back with my saddle and he'd gone and gotten horse mane and remade my girth strap. And from that point on, this, well, before up to that point, the girths had an awful um, trouble of slipping because they were nylon straps and you can't get them tight enough because they just had no grip. And you'd often, your saddle would often go up their neck or it'd move on or whatever. But from that point on, the saddle never budged. So thanks to Aaron Byrne, he was able to keep me in the race by heading off and doing his tricks with the main. So, um, 
but yeah, so that was the only reason how we passed all the vets checks. Where we, we obviously rode sensibly. We didn't try and come um, put them in positions they weren't able to do, or we didn't ask them to go faster than they were able to do. But the big one was getting off a kilometre out and walking in on foot, and letting them have time to get their breath back and having a pick of grass and get their get their wind back. And nine times out of ten, it worked. Mm. Well, twenty-five times out of twenty-five times it worked. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Do we have any more questions? Anyone? Lady at the front. Hi, just with regard to the funding, um, you received funding to go out. You were partaking in the race yourself, so you had two cameramen, both on horses. No, no, just um, I was the only one riding, and, and the, the other cameraman was... Um, so I had a, t a crew of two people, one sound, one camera, and they were in a 4x4. In a but we weren't kind of together because um, they were going to follow some people and I was going to try and follow other people. Okay, so um, just with regard to the risk, you know, there was a risk that you could take a tumble, you could be out of the race, you know, in, mm. or something, something serious could have happened. Was, was that a factor with regard to securing the funding? Um, no, because <laughs> I don't think I mentioned that um, ever. And and also, I, I'm, yeah, I was quite confident that I wouldn't take a tumble because um, because I kind of I grew up with these kind of horses, and I'm I, that's the one thing I can say kind of with confidence. I'm I'm quite good with that. But um, and I was I wasn't going to be stupid and, and um, pick really stupid horses. Like it's really up to you. You can you can be really safe if you, you just don't pick the fastest or the the craziest, and and you have to judge them. <clears throat> You see them on the line, and then you kind of, you know them a little bit, and then you get the herder to get on the horse first, and you see exactly what they do. You know, you know. Yes, they never did for us. You never did. No, they never, they never got on for us. Oh, we did. <laughs> anyway, so but the, you know they they go around the horse line once, and you can see what they do if they're good or not. You can tell within like thirty seconds. Um, and if if there was like a hint of them being not right, I wouldn't take them because I didn't want to. I didn't want to be thrown off and, and you know lose my gear or all that stuff. I just couldn't risk it, and I, I and I wasn't kind of competing, per se. So, yeah. So yeah, that, that was so that wasn't a problem with the funding. Um, and in fact, I think um, people just love the idea of Mongolia, and um, yeah, it, it's this kind of mythical place. That, like, so I got um, funding quite quickly in the beginning. And then, uh, and then people start to think. So, so I got Red Bull were really interested. They were the first to be really interested. But then they kind of um, made a U-turn later on and said, actually, they don't really want to do a horse race. So, so by that time, they'd already given me some money. But um, um, then they didn't want to take it anyway. So that, that was kind of good for me because I didn't really want them to take it either. We've but it's, yeah, it's a long, long story. We've time for one final question, yeah. if anyone. Yes, lady in the middle here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bragging rights, basically. Funnily enough, no bank will check them. They won't cash that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's there's massive. Um, that's one question that I always get asked. 
is was there prize money or was there this was that no there's not there's there just is I suppose the the prestige of and the honour to have first of all to be have been part of the race and then second of all to have been lucky enough to somehow win it um, so it was there's I don't know I, I'm sure I speak like anyone else that has won it or been lucky enough to win it that you do there's a massive amount of pride involved in it and something that you'll take to your grave um, but the, regarding as the prize money or the the fundraising, um, it's funny actually because we raised the most of our money after. Um, it was quite difficult, and anyone that's in the fundraising business, I take my hat off to any of you because mm. it's so hard to raise money. Um, you have lots of people that will say yeah, but then it's getting that money off them is very very tough. But when we after when I suppose when people followed the race and maybe it captured their imagination a little bit, the few fun fundraisers we had afterwards were the ones that counted as to go towards the Indian Jockey Fund, um, and you'd fear that maybe if we didn't win it, we mightn't have been able to raise as much as we did. But luckily, we did win it, and luckily, we did raise enough money for them. So. Yeah, and pretty spectacular style as well. I think you'll all agree it's a, it's a remarkable film and a real, a real barnstorm. It's full of drama, full of human drama as well, even though it centres around these animals. And uh, I think I speak for everyone here tonight to say that it's, it's an incredibly enjoyable evening at the IFI. And thank you for coming thank along, you. Ivo Marlowe and Donny Fahey. Thanks a lot. Thank you.